Welcome everybody. Today I'm joined by two industry experts, Hans Hickler, founder of Ellipsis Advisors, a C-level and board advisory service and executive coaching. And Brian Burke, Chief Growth Officer at Seco Logistics. Welcome both of you, it's good to see you. Good to see you. So now I have the challenge. I know you guys like to talk on subjects and you get passionate. So I'm gonna try and keep this condensed to 15 or 20 minutes. But before we go into that, four months ago, Brian, you took on this new role. And I, I quote, you said, I'm taking on this new role. I couldn't be more excited of taking it on at this particular time. <laughs> I guess that was the biggest understatement, right? You didn't see this coming and now you're in that role for four months. Yeah, no, no, uh, not a lot of people saw this coming, but uh, we certainly started to see the see the chances or relevance of this impacting us globally, you know, over time. And, and it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a whirlwind, absolutely. And, uh, you know, but first and foremost, the health and safety of our people is is at the top of our mind. And I think the health and safety of, of people around the world uh, come before, you know, economic growth. Right. So that's yeah. that's the focus right now. So the, the title of this one is, you know, looking at the bullwhip effect. And I know that, you know, we talked about post-crisis, bullwhip, and also, you know, Brian, when we talked the post-COVID world, I think was, this, you know, was the, the quote we used. So that's what we want to focus on. But let me just get started. A couple of the questions on my mind is customer satisfaction through the last, what, two, maybe even going into three months now, from a SECO standpoint, how have you maintained that and managed that? Uh, well, that's difficult right now because you could you could you could very well have a scenario where um, you, you could ship via ocean from China, and that's a faster service than air freight. And when does that happen, right? So explaining the context of satisfaction with our customers are not used to. A, a COVID world uh, and explaining the realities of having to book in advance and having, you know, to get bumped if you don't want to pay a premium rate and, you know, on down the line, but, you know, expedited ocean services moving, moving free flowing, you know, but they, they see air freight and they want to book air freight, but we're telling them in some cases and some scenarios on some days and in some commodities, you know, you want to do expedited ocean, you'll get it here faster. And that that's, so it's an education. It really is, we're, we're having to educate more and more now and 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 using data and and having and needing access to data is even more important to be able to provide that that information quickly and at scale you know it's yesterday i know hans knows this example we 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 were quoting for a shipment a domestic shipment to hawaii to hawaii from the united states mainland and we were getting quotes back from carriers from fifteen thousand dollars to fifty five thousand dollars all over the place in some scenarios, again, ocean was faster. Like I, I don't, I don't understand why. I don't. Uh, nothing makes sense. It's all chaos. And well, welcome, that, welcome to crisis, right? I yeah, think, yeah. I, I think the important thing is that what satisfied a customer, or what satisfies a customer normally, is not what's going to be satisfying them now. Their needs are different, right? So before in the supply chain, I want consistency, reliability, predictability, transparency. Now I want responsiveness. I want to get on the plane. I want to get on the ship. How can you help me? How can I expand my network? In some cases, you know, logistics companies are partnering with other logistics companies just to help their customers through crisis. And I think, you know, that that's the sign 
of, of a good provider is one that adjusts to the needs of the customer. The worst thing we could be doing is measuring ourselves against the old yardstick, right? Right now, it's about getting through every day and really, really having conversations with customers about what their needs are in fulfilling their customer needs and, and how we can help, even if it's not in our normal product domain. Right now, it's about you know doing whatever you can. But I think conversations with some shippers and freight forwarders in certainly in, a, in our network some are prepared like the risk factor they built that into their supply chain and they have a pretty robust you know network of you know providers uh control towers etc but some are prepared and some have not how, how have they been impacted and how do you see them managing through this and also post-crisis where they haven't prepared or they've gone quiet or whatever well I, I think, you know, I, I'm sure Brian's got some examples too, but I, I sort of high level, you're absolutely right. It's the 80-20 rule. Maybe 20% of the customers are actually have the processes and the discipline to be thinking through these things. How do I manage myself through this and post, right? How do I manage the, the bullwhip when it comes and how do I get my product on the store shelf first? The other 80% or 90%, I think it's incumbent on us to start having those conversations. I do think the time is now, you know, curves are quote unquote flattening, but I think, you know, if you'd had this conversation a week and a half ago, a lot of customers would say, talk to me when I'm ready, but it's incumbent on us as logistics providers to, to initiate that conversation and say, what, when this thing opens up, when the spigot opens up, what are you looking for? How can I help? And, and also provide a realistic perspective of, of what help and opening the spigot means, right? It's capacity, it's rates, it's containers, it's you know consolidation, um, it's the ability to flex very quickly on where the demand is gonna be, deconsolidation type services. But the reality is, while our customers are in the fire, I think this is the time for 3PLs to be reaching out to customers. And yes, you're gonna have those that are already planning and initiating the conversation. But you know the ones that will remember you are the ones that get reached out by you, and where we can start planning as much as we can to put a process together when the bullwhip of of supply starts moving again. What what industries, Brian, have you seen? You know, we talked before about retail, um, some of the larger brands having warehouses full, stock on the water. Um, what conversations are you having, and is there a trend with certain industry clusters? That are coming to you that seem more prepared than others. Is there an example you can give us? Well, I, I don't think anyone was was truly prepared for, for this event, but I do think your point is absolutely valid that some companies had had more you know redundancy and more planning and and risk aversion in their entire global supply chain, so they can weather this much better. But you know, I don't think anyone really really saw it coming. And in fact. Um, you know, what Hans mentioned was, is, is so true for the bullwhip, but it was just as true when it really started to hit because what we saw was, in it, depending on the industry and where you were, and, and sometimes even what type of news you watched, this happened at different times at di for different people. So for some people, they were panicking, you know, at the end of February. Uh, and, and, you know, some people were panicking in the middle of March. And, and you could talk to one company one day and everything is fine and everything is normal. And this was March, around March 10th. And yeah. the next day, you know, it was a panic. There's furloughs, layoffs being announced. And it really was sudden, yet at the same time, it was slow motion, a 
across yeah. different industry sectors and across different geographies because here in the United States, different states implemented shelter in place at different times. Illinois was, I believe, the second or third state. So we were, you know, at, at the front of the curve, but, you know, we were talking to clients in, in Florida at the time and, and, and it was like nothing, you know, like what, what, yeah, there's a thing, but, you know, what, what can you well, do we have to get today? through spring breakdown here, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I do think that same thing is going to happen with the bullwhip, and and the but what will, will yeah. be more pronounced is the industry. So what we're seeing is, you know, and and I think it may be you know much more prolonged, and it will happen at different times when certain certain industries will start to surge, and certain companies and certain geographies. So, you know, right now we're you know medical devices, obviously, you know that that that's big because there are some. Uh, applications that that didn't have as much of usability before or models that didn't work before but now they do so that that we're seeing that shift right now medical devices uh, were but also direct to consumer so you know you think about just the power of direct to consumer before where you know the power was shifting from the retailer now to the consumer and now mm -hmm. brands can go direct via online yeah. Well, yep. that that is, you know, th this has accelerated that because I don't know if you, I, I, if you look at the articles from China and and what the impact of SARS was in the economies across Asia, you do see since then a much higher penetration, market penetration for e-commerce in a lot of commodities. Um, you know, uh, health and beauty is one of them, 80% yep. penetration e-commerce. Is that going to happen here? Is that going to happen in Europe? Potentially, you know, potentially we're going to see those numbers really accelerate. So trends uh, that were happening before are going to accelerate, and and some things that were decelerating, you know, could be all altogether outright diminished now. So I, I do think direct to consumer, medical devices, uh, consumer electronics, um, you know, these are some of the one industries that right now that the are health and beauty one I'm seeing. I, I work with the uh, B2C uh, fulfillment uh, companies in Brazil in the U.S. And across the board, the health and beauty one is, is crazy. You know, it's clear to say that uh, people will stay at home, but they still want to be good looking. So um, I, I think uh, I think they're, but that's that's a really interesting sector that's really exploded. What I want to talk a little bit about is this rolling bullwhip uh, thing. I think you're right, Brian. Uh, I think we're going to see a series of bullwhips given the timing of of how this pandemic has gone out. And I think you know, if we look at the pandemic as being a series of patterns, and you know. We could have probably predicted more what happens in the rest of the world by looking at China a little more tightly, but we're also starting to see what happens when the curve flattens, et cetera. And I think from a logistics standpoint and from a data standpoint, that's really interesting. As we see the first bullwhips happening, we'll be able to see how to respond to customers. We'll be able to see what happens to rate levels, what happens to easing of capacity as certain lanes open up earlier than others. I think it's gonna be really, really interesting because you know, Paul, you're in this business, right? Of 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 analyzing rate what rate levels are moving business. And unlike other crises, whether it's the volcano or a tsunami or a port strike, where it's a we flip a switch and everything goes back on in the supply chain, we're going to start seeing these rolling supply chains, rolling bullwhips, and we'll be able to learn our lessons very quickly. And I think shippers and 3PLs that make sure that they analyze these patterns and these realities as the spigot opens up are gonna learn a lot of lessons for the future trade lanes that open up. Yeah, I think what we're hearing you know, from a couple of our shipper customers is the more frequency of RFQing, you know, so to speak, um, or their procurement life cycle. So you know, how they're 
using our data to go out to market, whether it's direct to carrier or to, to the you know, logistics provider. But I guess that's what we're potentially seeing as one of the major changes in the behavior is how they're going to procure and go out to keep updated with the market. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's obviously linked to capacity and to, to the service levels. But I think it was really interesting what you said about, um, you know, how you see post-COVID trends that are changing. And I think, you know, whether it's procurement and buying behavior, certain industries that are just going to go much more, you know, online, et cetera, et cetera. But I think how how are you preparing for it as, you know, as an organization when you see these things that have changed during but also the the post covid of you you with your customer base or you know how how are you going to go out to market as an organization with what you're currently seeing or you think that might happen trend wise for the future uh you know for us the it, it's no question that target audiences go to market you know everything changes you know uh, some things stay the same but I think some things do change altogether. And I think every company is going to have a little bit of a shift in some way. They're going to be doing more of some things that they weren't doing as much of before, but now it's it's really, you know, there's huge demand. So if you can imagine in an economy where, you know, direct consumer, you know, business is, let's say, on average, 15% of all sales in retail are online. Let's say across all commodities, that goes to 30%. That's going to have a huge impact on, uh, facility management, warehouse space utilization, you know, requirement for services, including order management, WMS. Yeah. I mean, that that is that will be a sea change shift in in the market almost overnight. And I think that's going to be one of the kind of first things that we see out of this. So, um, you know, is is are we going to look at you know our technology as it relates to direct to consumer and and global supply chain more overnight? Probably, you know, that's going to be one of the areas that that we're going to look at. But you know, I do think that, you know, in the healthcare space, that's going to change, you know, dramatically where you're going to see, you know, more telemedicine, you're going to see more in-home care because that's just what's required for all of us to be able to handle, you know, any future, you know, surge because until we have a vaccine, right? Like this is yep. just how we're going to live for the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. We're all going to need PPE to work and we're all going to need PPE to live and we're all going to be needing to be tested multiple times even if we're asymptomatic yeah. so imagine what so a supply chain needs to be really built and scaled up overnight and it, that's what's happening right now and that's going to have an impact on on kind of all other industries and all other modes because you're both going to need it for your workers and yeah. you're going to be impacted by the rate levels that are you know uh, being impacted by this surge going back so, to the to the e-commerce thing um I think this crisis has probably accelerated e-commerce traction by three years. And I think we're going to come out of this and companies that don't have a strong e-commerce fulfillment channel, retailers, uh, are going to create them. And others that had them have seen them become a very significant piece of their business. Yeah. On the logistics side, here's the deal. The average 3PL can't fulfill B2C. Right, it, the systems are different. The fulfillment is different. The responsiveness is different. The, the, everything is different, and you have a few select logistics companies that can handle omni-channel fulfillment. Seco's one of them. Port Logistics is another. You've got you've got a series of them. 
but the majority of them that have grown up in brick and mortar fulfillment to retail yeah. stores, to factories, are all gonna be sitting there going, I've gotta get into this game. And I think one of the risks for our customers is that they make decisions to stay with, with similar providers for this uh, and don't understand how different it is and how complex it is. The same goes for pure B2C fulfillment that have very big trouble, you know, delivering to retail, to, 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 to bricks and mortar. It's, it's a different game. And I think what we're going to find is that our shippers are going to really have to assess their logistics providers. Do I go with, you know, an extra logistics provider that can handle my B2C? Do I have different channels, different providers? Whereas in the past, I might have had a more holistic view of my providers. But this idea of omni-channel just got accelerated. You know, if I'm, if I'm, a, if I'm a retailer, and I'm thinking that it looks like we lost Hans's signal completely. Brian, yeah, can you still hear me? Yeah, no, I can. Yeah, sorry, it's a little fuzzy for him, but uh, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll just continue on his 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 train of thought, which was really, you know, we're seeing uh, uh, packaging, right? Like packaging is actually a good symbol of this omni-channel uh, or or D to C shift. So if your packaging yeah. uh, is 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 built for a shelf. And not yep. for an unboxing experience, right? Like that's yep. where your focus is. But if your packaging, you know, you can do both, or your packaging is for the unboxing experience, then then you're you're truly, you know, ready for e-commerce. And I always I always laugh when I buy items online, right? And it comes yep. in a package that was meant for a shelf in a store. Exactly. Right? Yeah, like the that's, same. That's that's going to accelerate as well. I think Hans is right. You're going to see that's going to going to be one of the things that that moves very fast. Packaging yeah. is going to shift very quickly towards the unboxing experience to differentiate. Looks like my internet copped out there for a while. Sorry. Well, about I, that, I think I thought you were going to accuse me that we were coming towards the end of our 15 minutes, and I just <laughs> terminated you and froze you, right? But did I, I freeze, did, did 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 my message come across though on the uh, rethink your logistics providers? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that was a, a good topic. And then Brian tagged on that just to finalize that. So I think we didn't miss anything. So just one quick final comment. If you wanted to leave the listeners and the viewers to you know this channel or what we're trying to do with Transport Insights, what would that be? You know, I'm going to throwing that out and putting you on the spot. So, you know, I don't know, Hans, if you were thinking about that messaging, what do you think that would be? I think... Uh... Watch very carefully as as things open up and learn your lessons quick, place risk quickly and and use that to react to further openings up of trade lanes. So wherever things start to open up will give us the pattern. And I think, you know, whether it's rate levels, capacity, equipment, uh, we're going to see we're going to see how carriers respond with capacity. We're going to see how shippers respond with contracting. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be a rolling bullwhip, I think. And um, those that see it in the first examples will be able to leverage it in the second. That's both on the demand side and on the supply side. Good point, Brian. Yeah, I you know the the engagement has to be different now, and and the companies that realize that faster, I think, are going to be in that better position because. Um, things are moving so fast that sometimes the data is, is you know, like a day behind, you know, because you just need to talk to your clients every day, every day, and, and or at least try to, because things are changing that fast and talk to your vendors, not maybe every day, but every week. And 
And that's certainly not uh, viable or scalable in a typical world environment. But but today, doing those five, 10 minute check-ins, our clients appreciate it, but you know, but but your vendors do too, right? Because they want to know what are you thinking, what are you seeing, and and we're all going to learn from this much faster together if you stay close to your supply chain in that way. Stay close to your customers, stay close to your suppliers, and do it consistently and almost daily. And and in that way, bundled with technology, bundled with your partnerships and your your network you've built out, um, you can start to see what Hans was mentioning when these bullwhips can and do happen. We're starting to see companies come back online now and, and, and there are dates now on calendars and those are not in July, they're in May and, yep. and things are starting to reopen in a way. So it, it, keep, that, keep that engagement going. You know, and the conversations are, are gonna be different, right, Paul? When you and I worked together, we used to always say, don't just ask logistics questions to your customers. Have conversations about what's keeping them up at night, what's worrying them. And yep. you'll be surprised how much you can help them. Sometimes the context to the customer doesn't feel like it's a logistics issue, but the solution for us is a very practical thing for us where we can help. And sometimes it's just cluing them in on a network. Other times it's we can adjust a product to really fit their needs. But yep. I think you know the relationship now with customers is about listening and seeing what is it that I can do to help them through this. And that'll pay dividends going forward. Well, I think as a vendor towards you, Brian, I'm, I'm trying to get hold of you on a regular basis. So it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, man. So Absolutely. Hans, yeah, Hans, Brian, it's been great. It, I don't know where that 15, 20 minutes, I think we're closer to the 20 minute mark or just over, but it was, it was super oh. interesting. I really appreciate your time today. Well, I'm sure you Thank can you. edit out the stuff that didn't make any sense too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Okay. Thank you, Paul. Thanks guys. Thank you. So, Bye -bye. Just to clarify and give a confirmation, all the um, uh, Transport Insight webinars are found on the Zaneda Customer Discussion Forum. Um, and you can see the, uh, the website address at com uh, community.zaneta.com. So until the next uh, webinar, thanks very much and uh, see you soon. See you. See you. Thank you, guys. <laughs>